right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome into the Just Basketball Show for Friday, June 23rd. I am Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. The NBA draft is done. Victor Wembanyama is getting pumped about breakfast tacos and moving to San Antonio. Maybe the most delightful part of the night was finding out Wemby is really excited for breakfast tacos, a man of taste. Thanks as always to Jake Stevens and Dylan Heiser for their production. Brendan, you and I, I want to talk about something broadly with the NBA draft before we, we get into it. Lack of trades, huh? Yeah, not a yeah. lot of not a lot of spice. Not a lot of spice. Uh, it's weird. I feel like we're still going to have some in free agency. I feel like July is still going to be busy when it comes to all of this. But yeah, you hear names like Paul George. You hear names like Zion Williamson and everything else. And I don't want to say the insiders lied to us. I don't want to say that they robbed us of content. Maybe they just gave us more content uh, in the week leading up to it. And then that was really enough. And by by draft night, the actual picks became everything we needed. But um, I wanted I wanted everybody to change teams and, and nobody changed teams. And not even any like rumors that like, oh, this is this didn't happen. It was just like no one talked about it once the draft started. It was just kind of done. Do you think it's just I I, the, I was trying to think about this because we were texting and to me it was like the best I could come up with of why we're hearing so much more than maybe we used to. And yet the same amount of nothing is still happening is we know this is a trades league. I mean, we were going to talk about Chris Paul going to the Warriors and we're going to talk about Chris Tapps Porzingis going to the Celtics later on in the show. And so we did get two trades. They just did not happen to be in the middle of the draft. But I think teams just talk about more stuff like that, maybe in more serious ways than they used to because free agency doesn't exist anymore. And so it's like, I think teams are kind of always talking. I mean, the past few trade deadlines have been crazy as well. And maybe there will finally in the next couple of years, next year's draft is supposed to suck. Maybe there will start to be some actual trades, but I do think it's notable to kind of tuck it away of like, all right, the Clippers might be thinking about what's next here. And, Zion, you know, we we knew he had caused himself some issues, but maybe those are a little more serious than we thought. So, like, it doesn't mean nothing, but I guess it's just a symptom of how crazy the general movement is, even if nothing actually, like, is agreed to. The other thing I would say is it's, it's going to be interesting to see how teams that don't have a lot of picks, I you know, Cleveland's kind of in this mix to some degree, but also a team... Well, most notably the team you cover, the Phoenix Suns, they don't have control of their picks for like two, what, two presidential cycles? Yeah, I'm going to be going out to some middle school camps to start scouting the next couple of days. I don't know if you're uh, I'm, I'm in San Diego now. I'll be traveling, you know, the, the circuit in the, in the in the August, September range when there's not a lot of NBA stuff going on. Just, you know, really hitting the 2030s drafts. Yep, we're there. What a what a what a weird time for the draft. Give me more trades. Twenty twenty four NBA draft, please. But you're right. I mean, a lot of these teams. It feels like uh, you know we're going to talk about a few of them, but it feels like a lot of these teams. We're just going to be having to get used having to get used to the fact that the Jazz, the Thunder, the Pelicans, like these teams are just going to have multiple picks. The the Nets for the rest of time. Like that's just what it's going to be now, unless they decide to trade them. And tonight or. Thursday night, they, they just didn't do that. So like you were saying with the big player trades, we also had like all these teams where we're like, are they going to consolidate? Are they going to do this? Nope. We're just going to take all the players. Very weird. Very weird. Uh, and I, I definitely think there are teams that are, mo- we're, 
there was a lot of reporting before the draft about teams that needed picks that had motivation to move up and then you know, that just didn't happen for whatever reason. Uh, before we move on to NBA draft winners and losers, I want to tell you about our friends at Homage. Founded in 2007, Homage is an ultra-comfortable specialty apparel company that uses vintage-inspired designs to pay homage to the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports, music, and pop culture. They have great licenses, NFL, MNBA, WNBA, Nickelodeon, WB. Tons of great ones. WWE as well, if you're into like Stone Cold Steve Austin t-shirts. National Parks. National Parks. Check them out. Yeah, Brennan's got his National Park shirt on. I have a great Jimmy Butler shirt for them and New York Liberty shirt for them. Tons of great stuff from Homage. A lot of my Columbus Crew merch is is from Homage. Uh, But we have a link below. Go down into the description of this podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Click the link. Buy some cool stuff for yourself or a loved one or a friend or whatever. Some of that money comes back to the Just Basketball show. So please go do that. All right, NBA Draft winners and losers, Brendan. I'm, I'm going to kick this off. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start positively. And I'm going to start with the team that has the belt, has the world at their fingertips. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Denver Nuggets. Here's why. They get Julian Strawweather. They get Hunter Tyson. This is a team that had needs, that knew what it needed, knows the kind of players it wants, and targeted picks in the range that those guys were going to go and pick them up. And that is insurance for, you know, if KCP gets older and moves on, if, if, you know, if they need another wing for injury reasons. They got Hunter Tyson as, like, someone who I think in time could step into, like, whatever Bruce Brown does if, if he ends up leaving and, will, and if he gets some money, like, they went and got replay younger things that will take development, but guys that fit Jokic and guys that fit the way they play. That that to me is just like really great drafting for a team that has very specific needs, but was pretty aggressive about going to fill them. And experienced guys too, right? They got Jalen Pickett as well, didn't they? Did that end up staying with them? Yeah, it's like, I think that the... The experience part of it is key. The shooting part of it is key. The ability to play off the ball, all those things are going to be. The thing that I love about Denver is you can kind of like link up the portions of players or kind of the qualities of players that maybe they go after. But for the most part, there isn't one thing that's like, oh, that's a Nuggets draft pick. Like I I was going through it on Twitter this week and I was, you know, just uh, reveling in the misery of of how good this team is at not only building a roster that just won a championship, but also drafting. And I know those two things are connected, but the amount of sheer talent that they've drafted outside the lottery in the past decade or so, dating all the way back to Kenneth Freed is insane. And so they just have this track record. I mean, I know that's Masai Ujiri, then Tim Connolly. Now it's Calvin Booth. It's different people calling the shots. But the point is, they find guys. And I think a lot of their scouting department and whatnot has been there for a while from everything you hear from, from nuggets people. So I don't know if there's one quality that connects all three of the players that they walked away with, but they were aggressive in trading all throughout the week, trading up, trading to specific spots. You know, that they had targets. They got guys that, that seem like the, in theory, they will fit. And that's how this team has clearly decided that they're going to want to build going forward because that's what they just did with Christian Brown and, taking a risk on Michael Porter Jr. And even the guys that I, you know, was talking about a second ago from the past decade, a lot of those players ended up being guys that that they were able to trade for some of the contributors that they have now. So their front office 
seems like a cheat code. And, uh, you know, three guys in the top 40 who all seem like they'll fit pretty well is is an awesome night for that team, considering, obviously, they're not going to be a, a lottery team anytime soon. soon. No, this is just, this is the template for how really good teams need to approach the draft, in my opinion. Obviously, it's easier said than done for them because they have a lot of their picks, they're flush, and can can take some of these risks because they have Jokic, and he's so stable. I get that, but this is like identifying your needs and filling them and like building in replacement plans. Like they're not on my winners and losers list, but it's uh, I love the pick the Warriors made it at I think 19 because like that's like a Dante DiVincenzo replacement. Of course, we look at them and think their track record with younger players has not been as strong as as Denver's the last couple of years. And a lot of their picks have just not worked out in the way. So this can come and go. Strawweather or, or Tyson or, or Pickett could like end up not working out. In Denver, like that, that that could happen. One of them probably won't pop, but I just I love the process of what Denver is doing. Brendan, who's your first winner or loser? Wait, can I read you the names of the guys that the Nuggets have drafted outside the lottery since since 2010? Kenneth Fareed, <laughs> probably in San Diego, like I am right now. No, uh, 2010. Where, where was I? I, I don't. I don't want some people don't know how old I am, so we'll keep that to myself. Um, we'll say I was as well. <laughs> All right. Uh, since 2010, Denver has drafted outside the lottery Kenneth Fareed, Evan Fournier, Nikola Jokic, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Magleek Beasley, Monte Morris, Bones Highland, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Gary Harris, Jared Vanderbilt, Yusuf Nurkic, and Bull Bull. All outside the lottery. That's like a dozen high-level rotation players that have had long careers, some of them already. Some of those guys are already out of the league and already had long careers, uh, and, and that's all outside the lottery. So that doesn't even include Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, elite front office. They are, uh, they're probably a lock to have a W for most draft nights, I think. Yeah. All right, first winner and loser. Hit me with it. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to go with the winner. We got to keep it positive to start things off. Houston Rockets. Um, I liked off the bat, I'll just say, at, at a certain point, a team that can afford to take a risk, who has the, the security as a front office to take a risk, whether that's because you have multiple draft picks or you're already a winning squad or whatever the case might be, you just need to end a, a, a fall. And we saw Cam Whitmore. That was one of the stories of draft night, be a guy who we... You know, uh, smart draft people, including Ricky O'Donnell on our show last week, was talking about, hey, is Cam Whitmore maybe better than than Brandon Miller? And are they a little closer in, in value than we maybe thought? And all of a sudden, this guy's falling to what ended up being 20. So I just like Houston. They have a bunch of young guys. They're in no rush to win a title or do anything like that anytime soon. We'll take the medical risk. We'll do whatever needs to be done. At 20, it's just too low to keep letting somebody fall with where we are in our rebuild. Loved that. But I also love the Amon Thompson pick. I feel like he is maybe just like a basketball player like we've never seen before in terms of the combination of IQ and athleticism. I understand there's obviously jump shot concerns. Everybody has beaten that into the bo- into the ground. We know uh, what the deal is there. But at a certain point, again, similar to taking Cam Whitmore at 20, it's like you're picking at, at four. You just need to take the best player that you can find. And their team is just insane right now with the level of athleticism that they have. And then Alperin Shengun, who is not that. And it's just like this weird combination of guys. But to have Jalen Green, Amen Thompson, Jabari Smith Jr., 
Cam Whitmore, throw him on there. Tari Eason, even Usman Garuba, who didn't play a lot under the last coach. Um, I'm just really excited to watch these guys with a real coach and maybe a little more pressure to start winning just start to form into a real team. And I think they have the talent. It's just a question of, <laughs> is Ime Udoka up to the job of turning these guys into like, hey, let's play real NBA basketball now. I don't know, but I'm like super excited to watch it. Yeah, I mean, look, the Cam Whitmore thing of the value they got him at is phenomenal. Like that that in itself is even if whatever the flags are in, we'll, we'll see what they have to say about it. Like I getting a guy who was linked as high as four at 20 is really good value. And you couldn't have planned for that. The draft just kind of broke in your favor in that way. And like you run through the list of guys, you, you've named some of them, but it's like Thompson, Jalen green, Sangoon, like Jabari Smith. They're all at this point where they have, they clearly are, have shown things in different ways, shapes or forms, but they need to be molded into a certain direction. And like, that's where I, I kind of like the Udoka hire. I'm curious to see like what he looks like in this context. That's one of the the big questions I would have like about Houston going forward here. But I agree with you. I mean, like just getting Thompson and Whitmore to like top five prospects on a lot of teams boards, guys mm-hmm. who like both could have been really high lottery picks like that. And you add that to your stable, you're just in a good spot. It, 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 and because even if some of this stuff doesn't all hit, you have so many like interesting prospects now that like some of these are going to hit and you're in a great spot to absorb the, the, any losses that might come if some people don't hit. They're also huge now. I mean, they were before in a way, but they have even more size now. I mean, like it, it probably allows them to feel more comfortable moving away from Kevin Porter Jr., maybe Josh Christopher, if Amen's going to be a guy who has to have the ball in his hands or who you want to have the ball in his hands, right? And I think the other part of it too is that defensively, this is going to really help their their young core to go to get Jabari and then Amen Thompson back to back, even regardless of what happens with Whitmore, who seems to be a pretty solid three and D option in and of himself. But it's like to go from a, a core where you were like, we have Jalen Green, we have Kevin Porter, you know, Shengun is not a great defender. Like what's going on here to in back to back drafts, getting Jabari Smith and Amen Thompson, who are both going to probably be guys who can switch, have athleticism, can create turnovers, all that stuff. Like, that isn't just like, you know, let's let Jalen Green shoot and, and Shen Goon has some fun passes. You're starting to feel like, okay, we're young and athletic, but we also can play both ends. And and it's, I mean, I'm really excited to watch. I think this team might be an awful three-point shooting team, but I would still, uh, <laughs> I would still like to see them play. I also really, Brennan, like, uh, one other thing I really like about this is just that they're going to have to, they're going to be able to throw different lineup types at you, just kind of built into this roster. Mm-hmm. You could do stuff where you play pretty traditionally and have Singun at the five, but you could have an Eason Smith frontcourt with like Whitmore Thompson and, and Jalen Green all on the floor, and you're yeah. just huge. That size yeah. thing is just, as you mentioned, I think is a real plus for them, but you, you just have flexibility now. And I'm, and we'll and now it's gonna let's see who pops let's see who becomes yeah. the the head of the snake here a little bit like this is and can Udoka actually play the young guys that they have because for some reason guys like Garuba Ty Ty Washington they just weren't getting minutes under Silas even though they were promising players and it's like at the very least just let them all get on the court the the competition of the young guys to see who like rises to the the top so to speak is gonna be I think just just fascinating to to absorb to observe excuse me the next couple of years this is. Uh, also just like, I, I don't want James Harden to go to Houston. Amen. Get it? Did you see what I did? 
Yeah, I do. I do. Right. I get it. All right. Uh, they, 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 they could use like, give me like one like point guard who just can like move the ball for them in a traditional way. I think Ty Ty can be that. I, th- you know, he was like the smart draft guys. Uh, you know, pick at last year. Uh, Kentucky. I mean, Kassan Wallace got drafted this year. Kentucky guards are always going to be better in the NBA than they were at at Kentucky, and I feel like Ty Ty is going to be that that dude. I mean, maybe they'll still get one in free agency, like we've talked about. I'm sure that's what you meant, but I think Ty Ty is a guy who can grow into that as part of their actual like future too. Uh, I like Tyus Jones on this team would be just kind of like fun. Just I don't like want that for Tyus Jones because I, I want him to maybe get out of DC at some point and get on a team that can win because that guy's like a, a starting level point guard who just like is so dependable. But I I would like he he would make like a ton of sense in this kind of spot if you wanted just like a veteran to like keep the ships moving on time. You know, like keep yeah. all the trains on time. I that would to me that would just make some sense. But he's now Washington Wizard. All right. Um. I'm going to go to a loser next, Brendan. I'm going to say the Orlando Magic. I don't love their draft. Jed Howard, where they took him, felt early. Even if I get the wingspan and that's a, the Hammond thing and he can shoot it. Um, you know, Anthony, the black pick is going to be a really interesting bet on upside and development. And, and it's not very much like a, they didn't do anything that really would scream you're trying to move the needle forward with Palo and, and Franz. Like, maybe that comes in free agency and trades and things. Like, what does Jalen Suggs' role in this team look like now? I just came away, like, a little bit more confused about what Orlando's roster construction is after this draft. They felt to me primed to be a consolidation team in some way, shape, or form, or pun if one of these picks down the road to a team that wanted to move up or get in on the action in some way. Maybe those deals just didn't work out. I don't want to say, like, we know exactly everything they were discussing with the other teams in the league. I just don't totally love what they kind of came away with here. And I just have now confusion about some of the guys on the roster. Yeah. The black pick was the interesting one to me. I mean, would you have taken Dick over Howard? Is that kind of what you are thinking with? Like they, they did need shooting, but Howard over Dick was kind of one of the surprises of draft night. It felt like, or like, uh, like, yeah. And you could have told me like that they should roll the dice on Whitmore at that spot. Sure. Or trade back and maybe get, you know, a Jordan Hawkins or like, I guess he kind of got reached for, but Pachemski, something like that. Yeah. I think the the black pick to me, what was interesting there is I like him as a player. I, I brought him up to Ricky O'Donnell when we were doing our draft preview. I think he's really interesting um, athletically and the way he plays basketball. And one of my big takeaways from this whole draft is like the wing revolution is here. Um, like everybody in this draft was six, seven or higher. You know what I mean? Like outside of Scoot, and a couple of other guys, you were just, it was wing after wing after wing. And so I like Anthony Black. I think he fits into that kind of futuristic view of, of what basketball might start and continue to become. But the Magic have a lot of those guys already. They don't need another one. Um, and so to me, it was like Black felt interesting as like, could he be a pacer? Could he be a, uh, and go to Utah and, and be with the spacing that they already have with Markinen and everyone else? I don't think that putting Anthony Black into a, a team that already has a little bit of a crowded half-court offense and a lot of guys who kind of need the ball, that that one doesn't, I don't love it. So maybe they were just doing value. Black was kind of like the sixth best guy for a lot of people in this draft. So you don't want to just not take somebody if, they're, if, if you think they can be a great player because they don't perfectly fit. Then again, the Magic kind of are at that spot where they need to maybe be thinking about that stuff. So it could just be that the lottery screwed them a little bit. They didn't really have a great plan for where they fell. Maybe those trades weren't there. I don't I don't hate taking somebody who I'm telling you I like as a player 
you know, I'm not going to hit somebody too hard on that. But yeah, they do need to be thinking about fit because I think this team wants to make at least the play in, if not, you know, get into that seven, six, seven, eight range next year. Yeah, I, I still would be bullish on this team. I think we're still planting our flag with with Palo, with Franz. I, look, I, I like Jalen Suggs. If I was another team, Brendan, mm-hmm. I would just be calling to find out the value of Jalen Suggs. I, I don't know what it would be. You know, there's still some offensive growth to come, but that guy's an awesome defender. I think that guy's going to be able to play for you like in bigger games. I just think the skill set is going to really translate into really competitive basketball. If I was a good team that just, or like a team on the up that just needed a guard or, or wanted a developmental piece or that both can play for me now and I can work on in, in some capacity, I would be just, what, what, what are you asking for for Jalen Suggs right now? Like what, yeah. what, it, what would it take to pull him out of Orlando? I'd just be curious to see what the price would be. I mean, the impact we've been able to see guys like Gary Payton or Bruce Brown have in the playoffs that all the way going to the finals the past couple of years, it's just, it's obvious that if you're a strong turnover creating guard you're going to be able to have a role in these games um that that's a a, when we talk about versatility like guards who can guard up is really big and and sug seems like one of those to me i know he can't shoot right now but so be it he can handle the ball he's a lot more useful on offense than gary payton and somehow the warriors found a way to make gary payton work right so he should be able to do it um did you see the thing with the grizzlies offering stuff for franz wagner I didn't, but like, I mean, in, in the vein of like them throwing things, like the reported number of picks at, at Bridges and I mean, that makes sense. Like you should do that. Interesting. Stuff. Like sh- shoot yeah. your shot. I mean, they gave up two picks for Marcus Smart. Like they have picks to burn still. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me go to my next one. Um, I'll, I'll do a loss. Loser. Uh, Charlotte Hornets. I don't even know, know if I want to say Charlotte Hornets or everyone who lives in the city of Charlotte who likes basketball, because that's really what it felt like a community was let down more so than even like a team made a mistake. Like there's a video of the mascot dipping his head in, in disgust when this pick got announced at their watch party. There's all sorts of videos of different things uh, in terms of reactions to this pick. And then, of course, Mitch Kupchak in his post-draft press conference effectively not being able to even answer the question of why they drafted Brandon Miller at number two over Scoot Henderson and and what the deciding factors were. It's just crazy to me because it feels like uh, Mitch Kupchak threw Michael Jordan under the bus a little bit in the lead up to this thing. Felt like maybe the front office wanted Scoot and, and, and MJ wanted Miller. But wasn't Mitch Kupchak hired to be the Michael Jordan's whisperer? Wasn't that literally the point of him arriving in Charlotte was to be able to be the guy who could make these decisions in sync with the owner? Like to have this big of a split on something that is this big of a decision is just the craziest part to me. I think Miller's going to be a fine player. I think he actually the fit part you can't argue with. Charlotte is in desperate need of wings. If he can be a good version of that player and defend and, and shoot threes and everything else, he will fit. But to just have such a complete breakdown of what what the plan is is what's crazy to me here um i just it feels like this spells how are you going to be brandon miller and walk into this situation and feel empowered when the the team like openly did not want you to to come there and the fan base is like downtrodden after taking you that that's that's really tough it's interesting too, brennan i i've in addition to like prepping for ours i like listened to another draft like recap thing and it's so interesting that like 
people that really cover the draft full time, it seems like a lot of them came, ended up having Miller too. But then like any of the people that like kind of like, I, I would count us on this. It's like pay attention to the draft, but aren't like super detailed draft Knicks. Favorite Scoot. I think that divide, I don't think there's like a ton we can like project out of that, but I just found that kind of interesting. And I just seem like a Scoot. I'm just a Scoot believer. Like I read yeah. the, the Robbie Callen had a great profile of him at Dime this week. Um, Hanif had one, this Columbus-based poet named Hanif had a great one in ESPN this week as well. Yeah. Um, like he's going to be in that G League documentary that's coming out uh, later in the summer. Like everything you read about him, the mentality, the work ethic. Like I just believe in him, and I just also think him and Lamelo like could work. I understand there's like some defensive stuff there, where like the size wise, Lamelo's never been a good defender. I just kind of would have went with it, and maybe, but like Brennan, maybe the other, maybe a winner that I didn't have that we should have had just kind of in relation to the Hornets is like, I probably would have, would give Portland a winning grade here just because like, I love the Chris Murray pick. I love the scoot pick. And like, yeah, what happens with Dame is like a, is a, is a whole thing here. We'll see where that ends up. I, I, I don't really know what to make. We got of. another show in three days. <laughs> we, and I guarantee it'll come up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh ongoing. Well, I don't know if you, I, Sean Hyken, who I, has maybe done the, to me, one of the best um, jobs. He just, he does an incredible job covering the Blazers as like an independent guy. I had a tweet um, last night on poll. I'm trying to find it right now. It sent it like we out, like probably like a little after midnight Eastern time. So like normal hours for people on the West Coast and he's in Portland. So yeah, um, I, I was like, looking up i was like i'll tell you oh, i was rewriting something because i had a draft pre-write done and then the Cavs picked the money baits and i was like oh well i have to redo all the work i just spent 20 minutes doing that that happens worth noting hike and tweets that damon lillard can't actually be traded until july 9th one year after he signed his extension so it makes sense that the current stance is quote giving the front office the first week of free agency to do enough we're just like in a dame holding pattern with that for five years but for for definitely a month, yeah, yeah. It's um no, I think Portland. I think Portland had a solid draft. I think Murray is fine for you know the, the early twenties. I mean, you know, he seems like a pretty built-in role player. I think the fact that that his brother, who's a little bigger, came in and had such a strong rookie season, competed in the playoffs, makes you feel even better about just sort of the mentality side of things. I know they're not identical human beings, but but that helps and. Scoot is definitely a guy from a mentality standpoint. Like I do think that matters from Portland standpoint, right? It's like this, the mentality stuff, the sort of uh, intangible stuff that maybe people do feel when they spend time with Scoot that matters. If you're talking about Lillard is going to be moving on and you, the weight of a franchise is suddenly a a little bit on your shoulders. You know what I mean? And like Shaden Sharp is a guy who had a weird path to the NBA. I don't know if he's ready for, what that might look like. Canfordy Simons also actually had a weird path to the NBA because he also did not go to college. And and I'm not saying that that holds him back. He's been in the league a, lo- a while now, but is he that dude? I think Scoot is. And so I think that really helps you if it is time to move on from Lillard to have somebody like that. Whereas I don't, I'm not saying Brandon Miller isn't, but I, I do think Scoot gives that off and, and that matters. Um, I have another winner here, which is the Dallas Mavericks. 
pretty straightforward. And I, I really have one question for you at the end of all of it, but just to recap what they did, they had 10, they traded back to 12, got off of the Davis Bertans contract, which opened up their mid-level exception. I think I've seen differentiating stuff about if it's fully open or if they have to make one more move. Either way, that seems like what they're trying to go ahead and, and open up for themselves in free agency. Still got Derek Lively, who depending on who you look at, you know, maybe not the best prospect, but still the guy they wanted and a big that which is which is what they needed. And there weren't a lot of those in this draft. Then they got a defensive wing at 24, who seems to be um, highly regarded, had a pretty good pre-draft process and kind of bolstered himself. And they added Rashawn Holmes at that 24th spot in order to get that pick. So the question that I have with all of that is, I'm not sure if Lively somebody you can just pencil in to be playing minutes for what wants to be a championship team next year in Dallas, but can they do that with Rashawn Holmes? Like I've seen different stuff of like, wow, I, I saw a Kings guy saying the Mavs had to basically spend $25 million to get the 24th pick, which is how much Rashawn Holmes is guaranteed the next couple of years. But I also never really understood why Sacramento didn't play him. So I wonder if he could just come and play with Luca and have a little bit of a rejuvenation. And it's not just, oh, we paid $25 million for the pick. It's like, no, we got a rotation player and the pick. Yeah, he got, I mean, he got caught a little bit of of a long gym there a little bit. Um, you know, he did have, there were some personal issues last year, if you remember, that like kept him out on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, you can Google some of that stuff if you'd, you'd like to. I think I think comparatively the business they did like they were there was some reporting out of here in Cleveland about how like they were Dallas had called about Jared Allen and like I think Allen's better than Holmes and like would fit really nicely with Luca. I also think like you you got two first round picks and I think like you could just like play lively as like your backup for 12 minutes a game and like be okay and I think that's worth it right at least in the regular season I think you can do that. Holmes is not gonna like. You know, he has, he's, this is his last, his four seasons in Sacramento, 44 games played 61, 45, 42. Like, so you're absorbing some risk. He's not played more than 61 games since he played a career best 70 in, in 1819 when he was, when he was in Phoenix. So like, there's definitely some risk, but like the price and you create some free agency flexibility to do something and bolster your team. Like it's good. It's good business. Like it, it, and you know, last year the numbers don't paint that, but like every other year in his career, he's like the the number of the analytics and things will tell you like he was like a pretty impactful player in his minutes. Like I like the the process of what they did here. I like what they're doing here. Is it yeah. like the highest end? No, but I think like considering they got two they got two first round picks, both of whom make a ton of sense for them. They didn't have to like trade Josh Green in a trade. They still have the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract to move. Like they they yeah. feel like they're in a, they're in a good done. spot, yeah. And it, that's even with the with saying that it's like their big free agency thing is probably to to give Kyrie Irving some form of a decent amount of money, which is a choice in twenty twenty three. I do think the mid level, if 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 they are able to open it up, which I would anticipate they are, then that's a team that I hadn't really been thinking of when I'm going through kind of those guys, and that's a pretty nice destination if you're in that range as a player to go and and Dallas is going to have minutes for you because a lot of their guys that are currently under contract, they kind of don't really want, you know? So it's like whether they keep some of those or not, I I would imagine whoever they sign this year is probably going to have a good pathway to playing and, you know, potentially winning a lot. So I'm not, I don't think Kyle Kuzma is going to make more money than that, but people like that, you know, Dylan Brooks, is he somebody or, you know, players like that. I I think that we should start thinking about Dallas as a a pretty big suitor, but who's your next uh, winner or loser? 
Uh, I had the Rockets. My last big winner is the Utah Jazz. I just really like what the Jazz are doing. I like the Hendricks pick quite a bit. They are just totally all over the place in terms of like the the athletes and kinds of guys they have. Uh, Keontae George from Baylor is an interesting pick. I, I like the, the creative juice of another combo guard there. You know, there, there's been some talk that they want to flip Colin Sexton and what they do with Clarkson will be interesting. So like maybe that, this is like a replacement for, for one of those guys. I think that's smart. And like, you know, said Bryce Enzenbaum, I'm a little skeptical of it. The way he scores is totally going to translate one-to-one in the league. But at 28, that's like a good value to get some offensive juice. Like, I just think like this roster is really just loading up with really interesting things. Hendricks is the star of this to me. I just am a fan of what that guy can be. Um, great but fit I, next I to Lowry also. Yeah, great, great fit next to Lowry. I, I just like what this whole roster is starting to look like. Like I think Abaji really had showed some stuff through the end of the year. They have a ton of shooting. Will Hardy's a good development coach. I think they've. I just think the process of what this all looks like makes a ton of sense to me. Agreed. I, I don't have. Uh, it's interesting with the Jazz with the Keontae George thing. It's just again to harp on the wing part of this whole draft and and that just being such a big takeaway to me. You saw Buffkin, George, Hood, Shafino. Hakez, Pachemski all go in order <laughs> from like 15 <clears throat> to 19. It's funny how guards like that, like those, uh, some of those guys might've just gone in the top 10, like 20 years ago. And now the wings are going, even if they have question marks, Bilal Koulibaly is the seventh overall pick in this draft. You know what I mean? And somebody like, Hood Shafino, who would just be yeah, a prototypical like Stefan Marbury, whatever type of guy in the in the mid 2000s, he falls to to 17 when he had some lottery buzz. And so I'm I'm just going to be curious to kind of watch that group from 15 to 19 as they start their careers and just see like, is that the right way to evaluate this? Or did we just get a little too wing happy and, and everything else? Um, and I'm just I'm surprised kind of that a lot of these teams, again, like the Jazz and, and everyone else just it felt like this was a pretty good deep draft to make a move up, to do that type of consolidation thing. And next year's draft doesn't seem like it's supposed to be as good. So our team's going to regret just continuing to take players at a certain point. And, and I'm not, it's a good problem to have, but it is just sort of the opposite end of like the Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell trades where it's like, is it actually always a good thing to have like three picks in the first round and just sort of be forced to take guys you're unsure about because you don't have any better plan? I, I don't know. It's going to be funny and interesting to kind of keep an eye on that. Um, I have one more. I have the Pistons as a loser. I don't hate what they did, but I just don't really know what their direction is currently. We'll probably be able to evaluate them better by the end of the season. But my last winner or the end of the offseason, my, my last winner was the Pacers. They had a lot of like NFL type movement on draft week. They did the Nuggets deal. They did a couple of other things. And at the end of the day, though, I, I was kind of criticizing them to you via text when we were talking in the lead up to the draft and a little bit early on in the draft. But I really like what they walked away with from a player standpoint. I think Jarris Walker is an awesome fit with that team. I think he's a really good fit with the fact that some of their guards don't play a lot of defense and the fact that they have a, a pretty you know nice rim protector in Miles Turner. Just throw tr- Walker in there as like kind of a Swiss Army knife, versatile, just huge dude uh, to kind of you know wreck havoc a little bit with that core and then uh, I liked what they did at the end of the first with Ben Shepard who feels like a guy who can just step in and, and play um, make threes space the floor for for Tyrese and 
it seems like people say he can at least, you know, defend capably and he's a four-year guy. So similar to, you know, what we saw Matherin do. I know he was only a one-year guy, but he stepped in. I think you'll see that again with both, with both of these Pacers picks and they've just been really nailing the draft. And like, they're a really fun young team after like two years of a reset all of a sudden. Building really smartly around Halliburton. I think they still got some development work through. I'm curious to see what kind of splashes they make. The other team, Brennan, I just want to hit on really quickly that I should have thought about is the Sacramento Kings because I'm just wondering what they're setting up here. They created cap space for themselves. Yeah, like $30 million. What are they going to go spend that on? I'm I am fascinated. I I Kuzma? you after we did the... Would make a ton of sense. Middleton? No, I mean, Middleton's Ku- going Ku- back, I think. Ku- Kuzma's the one to me, more than like Draymond. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Draymond and Sabonis, I don't think they're going to play together. I'm going to bet some money that they're not trying to be teammates in the near future. No, but uh, I love the Kuzma idea. Just yeah, upgrade on the Harrison Barnes spot. You mm-hmm. can you can do pretty well there. I'm just curious about Sacramento. All right, let's move on to a big trade that happened involving a very large Latvian person and a guy who guards bigger players despite that he's like 6'3". That's the Marcus Moore, Chris Edwards, trade. Brennan, here is my initial thoughts on this are mostly just trying to figure out like what's up. I, I am. This is just like such an interesting bet for Boston because they trade Smart, who's like the heart and soul of that team. Every piece you read out of Boston this week has been just what what kind of how like he was like the culture and like he was shocked that he got traded and wanted to win a title there, retire there. Porzingis is got one year left on his deal. You know, how how you manage him and Horford and Williams is probably going to change your defensive scheme a little bit. This is going to, like, create a different-looking Celtics team next year is where I think this is ending up. I just can't, like, removing Smart from that and putting in Porzingis is such a type of stylistic shift that feels inevitable with when you shake up the roster like this. Yeah, I, I so there's two ends of it, right, in terms of... I, that was my main takeaway, too, is the defensive scheme how that's going to change. Cause I think Porzingis to me actually fits into, I don't know if Horford's gone, but whether he's still on the roster or not, I, you could easily imagine Porzingis doing a lot of what Horford does on offense, pick and pop spacing in the corner, you know, whatever dribble handoff stuff. He did a lot of that with Beal to a pretty high level in Washington this past season. I think, I think we feel comfortable. He can fit into how Boston plays offensively. And so defensively, there's two sides to it. One is the smart side, losing him because we thought of him as such an integral piece for so long. One defensive player of the year, rightly or wrongly. Um, But like you watched the Philly series this past season, and it was pretty clear that Jalen Brown was, if you really wanted to slow down what a perimeter scorer was doing, Jalen Brown was the guy who the Celtics were putting on James Harden, most, most obviously, but Jimmy Butler as well. Uh, Trey Young at times. like So Brown's ready for that. And that's kind of what has to happen in, in these teams as they get more expensive. When great teams with great young players, as they age up and, and sort of money up, like the best players have to do more. Like that's kind of what we're talking about in, in Phoenix with Booker too, right? It's like, we can't talk about Booker as this guy you have to protect on defense if he's making $60 million a year. He has to play defense. You don't get to say, well, you don't really want Booker to have... 
no, you you do have to. That's part of it. And so I think that's what's going to happen with the smart side. They have White still. We'll see if Brogdon, whatever the injury situation is, if he can play, maybe they'll keep Pritchard now. I don't know. But that's kind of that part of it. And then the other part to me is, is, is the more interesting side, which is Porzingis. Horford switched a lot. Porzingis is not going to do that. Like, that's just that's just the straight up, like, baseline reality of this whole thing. So that's the part that I'm kind of most curious by. Is, and, and Boston switched everything. Like, Boston's whole thing was like, we can switch anything yeah. to some degree when we go to certain lineups. Like, you're taking that flexibility away with this Porzingis thing. And even, even, even though, like, I get it because it's like, the shooting is going to be nice. I think Porzingis is going to be really set up for success if he just kind of plays a certain role here. You also, this is kind of like an archetype that it seems like Brad Stevens has wanted on this team, and this is like the the pre like the, the the name brand version of it, obviously, and it costs smart. But then they also got two second round, like they got picks back, like they like did really first well value wise. It's just yeah. yeah, they got first round picks back, and this just all of this adds up to like just a very. Like, I, it is just like, it, it's the kind of trade that is like both moving you forward in some ways, but also like giving you ammunition to like adjust if it doesn't work. It's such an interesting bet for Boston. Yeah, I thought they might extend him and they didn't. Um, so it, it kind of, I don't, I don't even know how that affects how I see the value side of it, but I guess taking my GM hat off, I think it's nice to be able to just have one year to experiment with this and you got picks. So it might hurt to lose smart, but if if at the end of the day, Porzingis doesn't work perfectly or does have some health problems, which we know is on the table for him. Okay. He's, he's on an expiring contract. You know, he opted into 36 million. That's a lot of money, but you could just, you know, wipe your hands of it after a year when you start to, again, we know this team is heading towards some crazy cap situations. They might hit, they might hit the second apron anyway with, with this move this year. And so they might appreciate the flexibility down the line, but yeah, from a basketball standpoint, it's just, I think Robert Williams is a guy who's shown he can switch. I mean, he gave Jimmy trouble in that conference finals. So maybe that's a little bit more of an option than it used to be. We thought, you know, maybe Williams was just kind of a rim protector, weak side shot blocker guy. If he's a little more versatile, that helps. And you can kind of station Porzingis at the basket where I, I like the fit with him and Williams quite a bit, maybe even more so than Horford, because I think Porzingis is a better rim protector than Horford. But it's just such a departure from what we've thought of Boston as being for such a long time. On the Memphis side of this, I really like yeah. Smart. He's gonna he is going to help them navigate the the games without Ja. And he's gonna be like a supercharged version of Dylan Brooks. I think this is a win for them. A little bit of a question for me is and the and the the health and sort of injury stuff, I know like Celtics people have kind of discussed that maybe that's part of why Boston was willing to finally get rid of Smart after such a, a long time. If, you know, he's 30 and, and he's played such a physical style for such a long time, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't know. It's impossible to, to guess on that. But I'm curious when you think about that, if having to defend bigger players so often might be might exacerbate that issue for Smart, you know, because. In Boston, I know he's, I know we just talked about they switched a lot and everything else, but he, he defended guards, you know, in large part. And so if he's now there, the Grizzlies, he's if he's there three and he's every night, it's okay, go guard, you know, like Kevin Durant or, you know, whatever the case is, like, is, is that 
even tougher on his body, but that, that's a small concern. I think he makes him a lot better. He's a much better shooter than, than Brooks was. I would say even just pound for pound a better defender straight up, even though they're both good defenders. So it's not a perfect fit, but you add that to Kennard, I think they're not probably done, and they still have all these young guys coming up behind who might be the real long-term answer at that spot. You know, Smart just might be a stopgap, and if you think about it that way, then then great. I'm. It's also just like they had first-round picks, and they just were running out of space for some of these guys. And it's like if you wanted to just use yeah. Tio and Marcus Smart to be like a cultural totem and and be a defensive guy and. I think also bet that because you have Jaron Jackson in like a, a good, really good defensive infrastructure that you can absorb. Like he, you're not going to ask maybe as much of him in certain ways, just just because you have Triple J and he's just in, in such an insane defender. This was the number two defense in the NBA this past season. They're like a lock to be number one this year, right? I mean, if if Jaron can stay healthy, if Stephen Adams can get healthy, and and you add Marcus Smart, like and no Jaw, which is their worst defender for 25 games, like. I feel like this team is going to be suffocating. Yeah, this this and Cleveland are the two teams that I'm just, I think their defenses are just going to like really squeeze people in the regular season. Um, if history's any indication and, and we'll see what other teams do, obviously. I'm curious to see like what, of like the, the, the trade and post-draft interviews, Brendan, the one I'm most curious to hear from is Marcus Smart. I am really curious just to see like what he says. Obviously, like, it's a press conference. It might be a little sanitized. It might be a little just play it down the middle. But I am really curious just to see what he has to say. And um, I'm also curious to see what the girls have to say about him as like a guy in their locker room. Because like this is another... They lost Dylan Brooks. They let, they're saying, we're, we're out of the Dylan Brooks business. We're done with this. But they clear, like this is another guy that has an edge that creates a, a, a toughness in your locker room that provides that. He doesn't put up with nonsense. I also think he might be a little less like buddy buddy with Ja than like Dylan Brooks might have been. Um, th- there are just I'm curious to see what their brass and the coaching staff Jenkins and Zach Kleiman will say about Marcus the person and like what the appeal of him is for their specific locker room and and, and all of that. Yeah, I just hope that that smart can be um, somebody probably testified to his his character. You, these teams always have connections. And I, I believe what Memphis can be as a basketball team. So I'm hopeful that they can get somebody. Iguodala didn't seem like it really worked. Crowder didn't seem like it worked. Maybe they got a little closer when they added Adams. But that era of being a young team in the NBA and trying to navigate all, everything that comes with that is hard. So it's not like a, a criticism that things have gone rockily. I mean, John needs to get his, his head out of his you know what, but like, other than that, let's, let's just kind of turn the page and, and hopefully smart can be part of that. But, um, two second round picks felt a little pricey, but they were also not awesome sec or two first round picks, but they weren't awesome. So I think that's kind of the part that's getting lost too. It's not like they gave up two lottery picks to, to get Marcus smart. It's going to be picks in the twenties or, you know, late twenties. And again, they have like a roster squeeze because they've done such a good dub drafting. Like yeah. they're all, they're in a position of strength in this sense. Uh, bro. Yeah. Again, that, Fascinating trade. But let's wrap up. Let's talk about Chris Paul to Golden State. This caught me off guard. This is going to be such a weird stylistic thing for Golden State. You have Chris Paul who just doesn't... Chris Paul does not play the Warriors play. But I also get wanting to bring in Chris Paul to do what Chris Paul does to, to give this team one last push. 
All right, let's finish up. Let's talk about Chris Paul of the Golden State and Jordan Poole to, to our nation's capital. Brennan, Chris Paul on the Warriors is such an NBA odd couple pairing. And it's going to be weird. But I get why Golden State wants this specific thing to give the help them make one last run. I get why they want Chris Paul to a degree. I don't know if this means Draymond is leaving. I don't think it means that. I think them keeping him is still the the most likely bet here. But I think that's kind of the closest one-to-one that you can find of what Chris Paul will mean to this team from a basketball standpoint in terms of the playmaking, in terms of setting the table for others. A lot of people have focused on the fact that you're not going to see Chris Paul flying off screens and taking, you know, deep bomb catch and shoot threes the way that Jordan Poole was. But obviously, Steve Kerr is smart enough to understand that they're not the same player. I think you could actually see Chris Paul screening. I think you could see him initiating. I think he'll be able to make it work if he's really just kind of doing a lot of the stuff Draymond has done. Um, The other part that gives me a little bit of optimism here is that uh, for a long time, we actually did see the Warriors during those dynasty years bring in guys like Nick Young and Jordan Crawford and Leandro Barbosa to basically just be a spark plug off the bench. It's been a while. I know Poole has kind of taken that over, and he's a different type of guy. And we thought of him as the, the splash triplet and everything else. But I actually think if you remember back to those years and how Kerr used those guys, which was pretty much like, hey, come into the second unit, run, pick and roll, kind of just do your thing, get some buckets for 15, 20 minutes, and we'll take it. Then that makes the fit a little cleaner as well. The the biggest question to me from a Chris Paul standpoint with the Warriors is just, is he ready to accept 20 minutes a game in a role that's a lot smaller? Or does or does this feel, is he going to be closing games for them? Like I, That's the part where I start to wonder, because I don't know if they have enough size and shooting and everything else. If you're talking about Chris Paul, Paul being a huge part of their team, I, I don't know if I don't know if I want him doing that. But they gave up a lot to get him, so maybe he has to be. I mean, he shouldn't start. Like he should be coming off the bench. There, there's no argument for him to like supplant Clay. I mean, it, yeah, he's not going to start if everyone's healthy. Yeah, Poole only started when Curry was hurt or Wiggins was hurt or whatever. That also just might be good for him. Like this, he's in a position where he is needs maintenance. And you know, I I don't know if you did you listen to um him on 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 Russillo? Yeah, I figured you did, but I didn't want to just verify. Um, him basically just being like, yeah, dude, like the the the, the multiple times I've heard him just talk about and this being the most recent one of like, I was not going to not play in Oklahoma City and like take it easy. Like he's just not wired that way, which I love him for. I respect the hell out of it. But like, you know, maybe like this is the year where you do it. Like maybe maybe this is the time, Chris, like don't play back to backs. You play 20, 25 minutes. You step up if you know Clint Curry misses a week or two, and then you you know you kind of like cycle through this. There's this is a great opportunity for him to just like save himself for when this really really matters and tinker with it. I think the thing with that is uh, there's pro- the the way to do it has always been with Chris. One, the Oklahoma City, uh, you know, 
tall tale of that whole thing is like four years ago now too. So it's like, it's different when you're 34 versus when you're 38. Um, but the thing has always been, can you actually just get him to play every night, but not play 35 minutes? And the Suns were just never deep enough to do that. And so he always kind of ended up needing to, to play a lot when he did play. And that's where I think the problems arose. Um, if you could just tell him like, Chris, play 75 games if you're healthy. We, I mean, let, let's be real. Is that going to happen? I don't know. But if you're healthy, you're going to play, but it's not going to be 30. It's going to be 20. And I think that could be a way to make it work, but maybe he really is just at a point where he's going to accept whatever uh, kind of smaller maintenance type of, of stuff does come throughout. But I don't know. I mean, the value part of this from a Warriors standpoint is where I really have questions because this was just a bad trade. I mean, it was a bad trade from a value standpoint that was created by the necessity of signing pool to that contract whatever has happened along the way to, to, to lead to his awful season last year. But they gave up first round pick pool and two recent guys who seem fairly promising. Now I know the war, every warriors draft pick people, you know, media people like to say is a, a future superstar, but like Patrick Baldwin, exactly. Right. But like Patrick Baldwin is somebody who was a really highly regarded high school guy who actually ended up shooting the ball pretty well last year, surprisingly for them when he played and then Ryan Rollins, take it or leave it, but that's still a, a young player in your system that you just got rid of. So you're getting rid of four decent decent to good assets. I'll, I don't know what Poole is contract-wise as an asset, but as a player, he's still a young guy. For somebody who's 38 who might only play for your team for one year, and, and we have some, even if they're not huge fit questions, we have fit questions. That's an awful trade, is it not? I mean, four decent assets for somebody who may not fit well and is going to be gone in a year and is already 38. Yeah, and I, I think this this does tell us what the new era with had to be Mike Dunleavy with Kirk Lake in their posts. Bob Myers is going to be very all in for the players. This is a very all in. We're chasing a title next year trade. That's what this is, and I respect it. Even if I agree, I agree with you on the value part of it. Even if I like kind of respect that they're going to try that. You know, what a surprise that the owner's son would be on the side of win now. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I it's like I, I do just kind of enjoy that part of it. Um and I'm hoping Chris Paul like gets the chance to just like win and like it would he is very high on my list of guys I would just like to like see just get a ring because I think it would mean a lot to them. It just he's just sent the sent the sentimental part of me, Brendan, is just very just let's get Chris Paul some some wins. Would you still trade Kaminga? There's been a lot of rumors around them sniffing stuff like that. They didn't do it on draft night as we add him to the list of people who did not get traded on draft night. But would you still explore if you could turn him into a, a vet? If you are not going to play him, you owe it to him and your franchise to just move on. At a certain point, I, 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 I personally would just play him and like let him figure it out and make it work. Me too. He seems very talented. I agree. Other teams should be calling on him. But I think if you if you're if Kerr is just like I'm not going to do it I don't like the fit it doesn't work for me, then I think you kind of owe it to him and you owe it to your to your team to actually go get someone that the coaching staff would trust. I I, I think that happens sometimes to young players like it's it's a much lesser pressure scenario or historical pressure scenario. But like this summer, if the Cavs don't look at Isaac Core or someone they want to play next year, they probably should move him now. I probably I feel the same way about the Warriors and Kuminga at a certain point with these young guys. You either trust them or you don't. And if you don't trust them, you should 
give him a chance to go do somewhere else and give yourself someone that the coaching staff might trust. Yeah. I mean, it's not the most uh, like cool way to discuss all this, but like you kind of have somebody's life in your hands at a certain point, you know what I mean? And you're stuffing them on the bench because they don't like fit some, some portion of, of what it is you're trying to do from a cap standpoint or a basketball standpoint, or they're not, their development isn't going to jive with what you're trying to do on the court. It's like, okay, well, it's a, it's a young dude who, who you, you took a chance on and now you're kind of ruining. So yeah, I, I, I agree. They should just play Kaminga. I think he's been solid. I think it's just one of those old school coach, not trusting a young guy's mistakes types of situations. I don't think he's been this damaging, awful curse on their team. When he steps on the court, it's just something about him and Kerr doesn't seem to work. If they can get a good player back, I would do it. I also like their pick uh, last night, Pachemski, which I think we've brought up a couple times. So he's somebody that might play too. I did get a giggle out of him for two reasons. Pachemski, number one, um, if you go to his ESPN like profile player page, he has the cornrows in it. And he just like looks ridiculous. Icon. Yeah. Secondly, his dad on national television being like, he's a dog. <laughs> I did not see that. His dad in the ESPN interview was like, he's a dog. And I was like, okay. Can I cap off our show with one shout out that no one will care about, but I want to say it? Uh, well, I want to. Can, can we can we talk about the Wizards real quick? Sure. Oh, yeah. We got to talk about Jordan Poole on the Wizards. Yeah. Jordan Poole on the Wizards. And they've completely like this roster just has been like Michael Wiggers like out here, like doing stuff to really revamp this roster. I like the Bilal Kulabali like upside swing for them in the draft. That's like a new kind of player for them. It like, is. Yeah. And like, honestly, like you're at seven. He's really young. Like, take the risk. I get it. Um, you know, like, we'll see where, where what happens with Kispert and, and Johnny Davis and Avdia, like how, who sticks, who doesn't with some of their core. But like, they have just like moved into let's just like really like the, like with the Beal trade and then with this Paul trade and getting some value out of that and the Porzingis trade. And I assume Kuzma's just going to go. Like the the rebuild is here. Michael Winger has not wasted any time. And congratulations to Jordan Poole for probably getting to like lead the. If he really wants to next year, he could just lead the league in shot attempts, and I don't think anyone would blink twice. Did you place your bet on him leading the league in scoring? No, but who's going to have a higher usage rate? Luka Doncic or Jordan Poole? <laughs> gotta, gotta get our friends at BetMGM to throw some props up here. We got we got money to burn. If you get like plus two hundred on pool, I might be I might be slapping some money in that because that guy is just gonna get to do whatever he wants on a team that like like what what else are they gonna do? You know what I mean? Like look at this roster. This roster is not like like is is are we is Johnny Davis taking shots away from Jordan Poole? Like I I I don't think that's that's gonna happen. Um, Tyus Joe, I mean like is this Tyus Jones just like erupts and does? Has his like has a scoring year? Like I I don't know. This just feels like Jordan Poole yeah, yeah. is gonna get to do whatever he wants and uh earn a lot of money to take a lot of shots on a really bad team. I hope he can he can kind of get it figured out. I, I wonder if a more traditional setup where his basketball IQ decision making issues that have flared up at times from shot selection to turnovers and everything, trying to play point guard. I wonder if a more just like straightforward offense and and system might benefit him in a way. On the other hand, maybe the Warriors system actually was protecting him from some of his worst instincts and, and it could get even uglier. I, I don't I genuinely don't know, but he's young enough that 
even though he makes a lot of money, what else are you spending money on? Like, it's not the worst player to keep on your roster if you're the Wizards, because maybe you move on and, and it's the Jordan Poole era doesn't matter at all in Washington, but maybe you're the team that flips him around and he's suddenly kind of a piece for you as you build into your next thing. Um, people have made a lot of fun of like the Wizards. Oh, would they finally do the rebuild after the Wemby draft? It's like one team got Victor Wembanyama. Like, let's not pretend like half the league tanked last year just to get him. That did not happen. So don't be don't be dumb about it. But at the same time, it's not so much that next year is not the Vic draft. It's more so to me that next year's draft is supposed to kind of suck. And so the fact that they are now finally tanking and their reward is going to be like, I don't know a lot about these players, but you just hear about some of these guys. And there is no, this draft has none of the guys where you've been hearing about them for years. This is not a, Finally, Towns is in the draft. Finally, Wembenyama's in the draft. Finally, Zion. Th- there's no guy like that this this upcoming year. So that's a bummer. Uh, but they'll be bad for a while from what it seems like. So maybe maybe 2025, they'll get something good. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Denny Avdia, uh, whatever their starting lineup is going to be. I'm not super thrilled to watch these guys. I'm going to be honest with, honest you. with you. They should uh, be trying to trade Tyus Jones for something real. Seems like he went there because he wanted to start and maybe they're kind of like in a little bit of a handshake to give him a new contract next year because that's what the whole thing was with Memphis is that they were trying to kind of do right by him and get off of him before they had to move on from a salary standpoint. So maybe this is a good opportunity for him. I don't know. Run the show with a bunch of young guys. Like you said, he's going to organize the team if nothing else. Like that's kind of his game. So Brandon, I'm going to hit you with the here's our friend Ricky O'Donnell. Um, here's the top five he has in his mock that he posted today. Are you ready? Yeah. Matthias Buzilis, who's from the G League. Yeah. Mattis, excuse me. I don't think there's an I yeah. in there. Ron Mattis Holland, G League, G League Ignite. Isaiah Collier from USC. Zachary Wright, really sure he's French. I definitely mispronounced that. He's a wing, born in 2005. And DJ Wagner, the son of Dewan Wagner. Kentucky guard. He has him at five. Bronny James, 13. Kyle Flopowski from Duke at 10. Um, you know, you could go down to someone will rise, I'm sure. But yeah. yeah, this this is uh, a lot of guys born in like 2005. And Yeah, Ron, Ron Holland, I think, will probably be in there as well. The guy who just... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, great year for, for somebody who lives in Phoenix and wants to cover the draft more next year. Lots of Pac-12 and, and Ignite guys, but uh, not great for teams that are actually going to be selecting these players. It's a, it's a weird year for the draft. It's, it's going to be a real test case for Ignite, I think that's for sure. You know, um, They've had Scoot, they've had Jalen Green, they've had Kaminga, they've had Dyson Daniels, but this year it's going to be like, could you go one and two? Like, Are, are you creating an, a program that's like, legitimately among the best talent producers in the world for, for young basketball players. Cause they could have Holland and Buzelis go, go one and two from what it sounds like. We'll see, but uh, that's going to be kind of what I have my eye on. And maybe some of these guys do pop because of that infrastructure. Maybe one of those two guys jumps up. Um, but prayers to the Washington wizards. Glad that they have Will Dawkins. who's a renowned scout to get some diamonds in the rough. Cause they picked a rough year to finally go in the tank. Look, I, I just think they needed to do this. So I think I'm just optimistic for them just because they actually did this and didn't like to like, yeah. Did they maybe do it a little bit too late? Sure. But like, I think you do this and you, you no time like out. the present. Yeah. 
Exactly. All right. Uh, who did you want to shout out before we get out of here? Oh, I just think Monica McNutt and Andrea Carter were awesome on the draft. And I think the ESPN broadcast was actually good this year. So salute to them. We always like to yell when, uh, you know, the broadcast sucks in, in certain circumstances. But I thought Monica McNutt did an awesome job with the interviews. I thought Andrea Carter is one of the best people ESPN has. She does women's stuff a lot, but she was awesome. And J.J. Redick was a nice addition as well. So uh, mostly those two, but J.J., sure. Nobody needs to shout out J.J. Redick. He's doing all right for himself. But, you know, salute to all of them. It was a good broadcast. Yeah, uh, NBA draft also just, like, takes a while. And it's kind of, drafts are kind of brutal on TV. They're hard to do. It's rough TV by, like, after the lottery. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. After the after Wemby's pick, I put on a record. <laughs> and I had music playing. And I had it on the TV. I had Twitter up on my laptop, but I just was listening to some music. And that that was my that was the vibe for me for draft night, Brendan. Brendan, just can you guess what I was listening to? Probably Boy Genius, because you're about to leave in fifty one minutes to go do that. Yeah. That's true. I'm gonna go see Boy Genius, Barty Strange. We're living the, the it's sad boy summer ahead of free agency for me. All right, let's end there. NBA free agency's next week. We'll have more on the Just Basketball show for that. This was our 2023 NBA draft reaction show. I'm Chris Manning. That's Brendan Clean. Thanks again to Jake Stevens and Dylan Heiser for production. Subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice if you haven't already. Hit that subscribe button on the Just Basketball YouTube channel as well. Click the link from our friends at Amish. Buy something for yourself. Enjoy the hoop. We'll be back next week with more Just Basketball.